to get this vision and mission statement out. And I think there's a few things, but one of the things that I think is paramount, we wanted to get it right. (laughs) We really wanted to get it right. And through that process, there's so much prayer and dialogue and asking the Spirit together and getting feedback um, from the body as to what the Lord is saying concerning vision and mission. Because guys, this is a big deal a really big, this is a weighty thing. This isn't a haphazard thing. And so as we present this to you, um, I, I do apologize it's taken some time, and I know that's been frustrating for a few of you, but I want to say thank you for sticking with us, and here it is. This vision and mission is coming from the elders sitting down before the Lord. I, I can't tell you how many hours This question has been wrangled over together. Maybe wrangled is a bad word. There hasn't been contention. Just, just, what, Lord, what are you saying specifically to restoration, vision, and mission? And so I just want to read the the vision and mission statement from this uh, paper here. And then today, we're going to just focus on the vision part. Next week, we're going to focus on the mission statement part. And the week after, we're going to talk about what we do um, as a church um, that, that is, and how it works that's pointed towards this mission and vision, okay? So, next three weeks, guys, we are asking the Lord to root us and ground us together in unity and mission and vision, and um, we're going to go after it here in January 2024. So, here we go. Our vision, the Restoration Fellowship, is to glorify God as we walk in faith, rejoice in hope, and are known by love. Their mission statement is, our mission is to gather, equip, and commission or send out disciples of Jesus. All right, so that is our vision and mission statement. I want to go right into the notes now, and I want to talk a little bit about a few of the words that are in our vision statement and how we want to make sure we're walking them out. So number one here, vision statement of restoration fellowship in the notes, to glorify God. Now we're charismatics. I'm so grateful for that. I love being charismatic. I love, I have Pentecostal roots. I love um, the gifts of the Spirit. I love how the Lord speaks to us. I love making room for that. I love uh, extravagant worship and all those things. You know, this is, this is my home in a charismatic environment. However, in a charismatic environment, when you say glory, there's all sorts of ideas that come to mind. We want to see God's glory. We, we, show me your glory. Glorify. This, these ideas have, have different meanings, especially in charismatic circles. Light and power and, 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 and that sort of thing. When we say it on our vision statement, this is what we mean. The biblical meaning primarily of to glorify God, what does that mean? It means responding accordingly to who God is and what he is like inwardly first and then outwardly. So that kind of doesn't seem so flashy. It's not talking about, you know, light and power. It's talking about knowing who he is and what he's like, 
and what that means and how that correlates to what the inside of you looks like and how you walk out your mind, will, and emotions, and then how you walk out your actions, responding rightly. And in doing so, what happens is God is glorified. God is shown. God is honored. God is worshipped in that. And so, the first one, guys, is inwardly. So we talk about our vision is for restoration fellowship. Every person that's in here to glorify God inwardly. We're looking for a high priority on the Spirit's inner work on our mind, will, and emotions and glorifying God by bringing those things in line with who God is and what He's like. Number two, outwardly. You actually, this is really tricky. This is the the difference between legalism and fake and real is dictated by the heart. It's unseen. So if I am doing good works, but I'm doing them out of a religious spirit or an obligation spirit, I'm not actually just operating from what God has done to the inside of me, then my works are what? They're false. They're legalistic. And and, and so even though the same action, I'm feeding the poor, right? Feeding the poor is a glorification of who God is. And even though I'm doing that outward action, if I don't actually have a heart for the poor on the inside, I'm not glorifying God, not for real. Right? So that's why it's so important that the inward part is where we prioritize. And the outward, what the Bible actually says is the outward will just automatically flow. You're just going to be imitators of Christ as he is formed inside of you. You guys, there's a huge biblical precedent for this, like Why would you place glorifying God as the vision of a church? There is just so many verses about this. I want to point you to Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. Um, This is the words of wisdom from the Lord's own heart. The book of Ecclesiastes. And here, I love this, dialoguing about God's wisdom. What's wise? What is... What's wise living? What is God's counsel to the earth? And that sort of thing. Ecclesiastes, a book of wisdom. that He wraps it up and he says, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. <laughs> you can just skip it all and go right here. Don't do that. But that's, he's summarizing. And he's saying, here it is. Fear God or honor God and keep his commandments for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing. It's the inside things, whether good or evil. And so, how many of you guys have heard of the Westminster Confession of Faith? It says this, it's in your notes. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That comes directly from this verse as they look at, here's the, here's the wisdom of God, of the whole matter of relationship with God and who God is and what He's doing. Heart posture, number one, is honor Him and keep His, who He is and what He's like and what He's saying on the inside of you as a paramount thing, for this is man's all, to glorify God. And God will, He's got His eye on this. He's bringing every work and He's, he's, he's looking at every secret thing, every outward thing, as He looks at what He's trying to form into us and do through us. Secondly, to walk in faith. I'm just going to say this about it. Again, we're charismatics. 
And, and when we say have faith, it sometimes means different things. And one of the things that it can mean is a psychological certainty that you can accomplish a certain exploit. So especially in the charismatic church, we're saying don't pray for someone, you know, like don't, always pray, <laughs> but pray for someone. And when you pray, have faith that they're going to be healed. And what we think it means sometimes is try to stir up the psychological certainty that he's going to be healed when you lay hands on him through the power of Jesus. Try to stir up this, this, uh, this thing in the inside of you. However, that's not what we're talking about here. So when we're saying our vision is for you guys to walk in faith, we're not saying stir up psychological certainty that you can accomplish certain exploits through Jesus. That's not what we're talking about. Okay? That's more of, I would call, more of a word of faith type uh, idea of what faith is. Biblically, faith according to the Bible is confidence, and I've got this underlined. Here's where we, we want everybody at Restoration Fellowship to be is having confidence in the character and nature of the person of God. You know exactly what he's like. You know exactly how he feels. That's the faith we're going for. All right? From that, you have confidence praying for the sick, right? Because you know what he's like. You know his heart to heal sick, pick sick people, that sort of thing. So it's, it's a little bit different than just stirring up psychological certainty confidence that, that a certain exploit can be done through you, we're actually talking about rooting you and grounding you in confidence in the character and the nature of the person of God, okay? John 14, I love this. We're just going to look at the first part of it. John 14, and I want to look at 1 through 6. Maybe just one. John 14, 1, Jesus looks at his disciples. He said this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Who he is, what he's like. And if you're there, how could your hearts be troubled? He says in the same way, Believe also in me. In the same way that you believe in God, believe in me. And then he goes on, to assure them of being confident in faith in his absence. He goes, I'm, I'm about to leave you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Be rooted in faith by believing in who God is. In the same way, believing in who I am. Personal conviction and action. So our faith serves as the foundation of convictions or the values of our life. What you believe serves the foundation of everything that you do, the values of what you do, that's what we're talking about here. That sort of faith that, that is the foundational place that a person operates out of their soul. God has a deep desire to establish the truth of who he is and what he's like and his righteousness in you in order for you to walk in faith in every aspect of your life. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 1.24. Paul says, I'm not here to domineer over your faith. He says, I'm, I'm trying to, to encourage you, and I'm not here to, to, I can't force you into a belief. 
but I'm a worker right alongside of you so that you have joy and peace in your what? In your faith and that you're standing firm. In the same way, guys, I just, I love that sentence. You look around the room and say, here's a vision of Restoration Fellowship. We are your fellow workers, stirring each other up that you be rooted and grounded in faith. Go ahead and flip the page. Rejoice in hope. Again, hope, I'm going to talk about culturally how it's understood, is I hope I get this job. I hope, um, yeah, whatever it might be, I, I hope that this investment turns out. I, I hope that my kids will eventually start listening to me. All right? <clears throat> Biblically, hope is not kind of, you're not really sure something's going to happen, but you, you hope it does, right? That's, that's kind of cultural hope. That's how we use the word. Biblically, hope is confidence in something that will happen. See the difference? The difference is of, I hope, you know, that, that my kids will listen. You actually have been given clear truth from the Lord, from the Lord that on Tuesday, their kids are going to listen. And you have confidence in that. See the difference? And so that sort of thing... In the same way, what the, the hope that actually causes rejoicing and being solid, being, having that anchor, is the hope that is confidence in something that we know is going to happen, because God has promised it. Our vision at Restoration is to have hope in three main ways. So as we think about rooted in hope... There's three ways that we want to see this carried out at Restoration. One is victorious joy. Rooted and grounded in biblical promises and truth that produce hope resulting in victorious joy in the face of suffering or difficulty in this age. So rooted that every, how many of you guys think there might be a little bit of suffering and trial in this age? And when that comes, there is a hope in God that allows you to actually have a joy in the midst of it all. And our vision is to see every single person at Restoration rooted in that kind of hope. James 1, 2 and 3, all of us know this verse and we just kind of stare at it and go, I'm trying for that, right? James 1, 2 and 3, consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Again, he's got, this is the kind of hope we're talking about. He is confident, knowing, it's a fact, it's not even a dispute, that as these trials come James's way, he's going, this is going to test my faith, and I'm going to be stronger for it, praise God. Right? He doesn't say, so in that sense, he considers it all joy. Hope of breakthrough. God promises that we'll see a measure of fulfillment of the coming kingdom in order to bring witness to its truth. That's a promise in the Bible for the church today that there is access to measures of the ultimate coming kingdom that the Lord wants to give now as a witness of that coming kingdom. To give you what? Hope. And so as you're praying 
Restoration Fellowship is you've set your eyes on certain things that you're hoping for breakthrough and for, for the Lord to fulfill his promise. We actually want you rooted in hope that God does bring breakthrough in this age. It is a biblical promise that we contend for. And number three, the ultimate hope. At the heart of all biblical hope is the ultimate fulfillment of the promise of the restoration of all things through the rule and reign of Jesus. This paramount Christian hope is, has been the grounding of faith from the days of Abraham, right? The, 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 the forefather of our faith was given a promise that he would see the city of God on the earth again. And that blessing would come to the whole earth. That is the restoration of all things. And he staked his life on it. It didn't throw him. He was able to live a certain way because of his hope, his confidence in that promise. Right? In the same way, this is a vision we have just for every one of you to be so rooted in hope, in confidence of what, of of the ultimate fulfillment of God's promises and what it looks like so that you're unshakable. And all of us, we, we know this passage in Hebrews. Um, I just want to read it real quick. Hebrews 16, uh, Jeremiah. Let's give our screens guys a hand. They just never get recognized enough for all they do. But Jeremiah, if you wouldn't mind, Hebrews chapter 6, if you guys want to turn there. Hebrews 6, verse 16. And we'll read a little ways here. For people swear by an oath, one greater than themselves, and with them an oath serving as a confirmation that it's an end of every dispute. Let me translate that. God makes a promise, and then he's going to confirm it so that it ends all dispute of whether or not it's going to happen. There's not a question. There's hope. Does that make sense? In the same way, God desiring even more to demonstrate that his promise of the restoration of all things will come to pass. He did it by two ways. He confirmed it by his own oath. One is that it's impossible for God to lie. He says, as I make this promise to you, no, I don't lie. I've never told a lie. And I promise I'm going to restore all things. And he says, number two is, I am going to swear by myself. So again, I am going to take all of my holiness of if I break my promise, if I don't come true, then I'm unfaithful, and I'm a faithful God, and I promise you I'm going to do this by two unchangeable things. It's impossible for God to lie, and what he says comes to pass. Those who have taken refuge in this promise have strong encouragement to hope firmly to the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor to our soul. That's our mind, will, and emotions. And our mind, will, and emotions take a beating in hope a lot of times, right? When we see it, maybe not looking that way. That's where our faith and our hope come. And we say, Lord, is there really coming a day on planet Earth where you will rule and reign and all sin will be gone And Lord, you're going to restore every aspect of beauty and life that you originally created. And we're going to live forever, loving one another to the fullness. Is this true? He says, 
I'm going to give it so strongly that it's an anchor for your soul so that as you're watching things going wrong, you don't lose heart. You know there's goodness coming in the land of the living. And it causes you to live out of that place unshakable. I believe this is so important in these coming days. And we're known by love. Biblical love. Here's another one, gang. Culturally, I think we've just lost the meaning of love. Culturally, when I say, hey, just love each other, it kind of means get along, give people hugs, say positive things. Like, give people what they say positive, just make everybody feel good. That's kind of what love has come to mean in our culture. However, when we're talking about known by love, at Restoration Fellowship, this is what we're talking about, we look to the Bible to define it. We see it defined by the teachings and actions of Jesus. Then Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, actually wrote, he took the teachings and action of Jesus, and he put it in four verses, or three verses, and he says, here's what love is. This is what it looks like. We all know this passage. We read it at the wedding, Right? But listen to this, gang. This is what it looks like. So Restoration Fellowship, the vision that we've set before you as a church family, where are we going that every individual is patient, is kind, is not jealous, love does not brag, it's not arrogant, it does not act disgracefully, it does not seek for its own benefit, it's not provoked, it does not keep an account of wrongs suffered. It does not rejoice or or celebrate or give license to unrighteousness. It rejoices in the truth. It keeps things in confidence. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's what we're talking about. Known by this at Restoration Fellowship. Knowing your love. So how does that happen? We have such a vision to establish love in you. And here's how it works. Let's go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. Here's how it works, gang. We love, because what does it say? He first loved us. There is not, it's not a mistake that... Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and out of that place, love your neighbor. Right? The process isn't we stir up love in us by saying, hey, be more loving. That's not how it works. We actually say we need to plug you in to the love of God that you would experience it, that you would feel it, that you'd be confident in it, that'd be formed in you through that relational exchange so that you can love each other for real. This is the pinnacle of God's destiny in you is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And out of that overflow, love your neighbor as yourself. So that's the making love known part. The cheap aspect of our vision. So as we take this vision... Glorify God, that we would be um, walk in faith, rooted in hope, and known by love. 
everything we do has got to come back to this chief aspect. The priority of experiencing and being filled by the love of God is so paramount to him that all other aspects of Christian life and destiny, and I want to say this at restoration, all other aspects of what we're called to, the great destiny of God, of things that we would do and be in this church, all fall under or are a lesser priority than this chief priority. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. And I'm going to invite the elders to come up. We, we know this passage, but let it hit you afresh and anew. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll ad-lib a few things. Justin version, Justin chapter 20. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, I'm just noisy. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge. Gang, our mission statement, we want to equip you. Right? And if we equip you, if we're able to equip you to be the paramount prophet of the earth, okay, and you don't have this priority of loving God, being loved by him, chief above that, what does it say? We have accomplished nothing. If I have all faith as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give away all my possessions to charity, if I surrender my body that I'm to his glory, but I don't have love, it does me no good. If I become an area of refuge to every portion of the promise, and we don't do it rooted and grounded in love, it's nothing. Amen. Well, I just wanted to bring my teacher's kind of viewpoint to some of these words so we would look at this vision and kind of process it rightly. At this time, I want to just encourage our elders uh, with us. And uh, Ryan, the handheld, please. Just to add to this, and we want to just go into a time of ministry as we declare this and pray it. Does anybody want to? Do we need to be on the stage for Facebook? Is that helpful? Okay, come on up, guys. The feedback from Facebook just now is we don't want to see other people's heads. <laughs> All right. Mark, I'm going to start with you because you've, you've talked about, you know, how you really wanted to add a few things. Right. Yeah. Um, so we are, um, we're sort of organized, mostly organized, but at one point we were thinking we would all be sort of sharing, and then we realized that would be a little goofy, so we had Justin take over, but... I had had it in my head, and I was thinking about it already, so I got stuck on this idea. And I thought, I want to share that idea. And it's about that first part about faith, um, to glorify God as we walk in faith. And it was so cool that everything I was thinking really just and confirmed. So I'm just going to hit the highlights of what I heard and what I had already been thinking, because the key to me about faith is that it's a relationship word. And I heard that long, long time ago, um, a long time ago, and it just has stuck with me forever. And because we are charismatic, and we embrace this idea of of having faith as we pray for people, sometimes we we do make this little shift in our head of it's like a commodity, and and depends on how you view it. You know, you can see nine or ten times in Scripture your faith has made you whole. And now you think, oh, that's a thing. Like you have to buy faith or get faith or 
have more faith, but when you divorce it from the relationship, then it, all the meanings get skewed. It's all wrong. Um, so the definition I had, which is so similar to Justin's, it's very cool, his was confidence in the character and nature of the person of God. Now I use um, the Vines Expository Dictionary of New Testament words and the Strong's exhaustive, oh, exhaust, exhausting um, concordance. A conviction of the truthfulness of God is very, very similar, but it's relational. It's about a relationship with God is how faith ties together. And um, I'm just going to tell you how that plays out in real life and then read a scripture with that in mind, and that's all I'm going to say about it. But, you know, just to put it in your head that faith is tied to relationship, it's tied to relationship with God, but it's also tied to relationship with each other because we also have faith in each other. And um, as an example, so I'm going to talk uh, about my wife. If she's doing the nursery, and if she was here, you could read her body language to see if I'm telling the truth. So you're just going to have to trust me. Um, you know, this happened, I don't know, a month ago or something. Got a phone call, Erica Ketchum, and says, uh, Chase and I are in, with our kids are going to be in town this weekend. Um, you know, could we stay with you guys for three nights? And so, wouldn't you think that the first thing is, sure, let me check with my wife and I'll let you know, right? Isn't that what you would think? But you know what I did instantly? I said, yes, we are glad to have you here. And the reason I said that is we've been married 33 years. And I have faith in this part of Becky that she wants nothing more than to have the Ketchums in our house with those two little kids, Right? Like nothing more. Like it's, it's automatic. And sure enough, when I said it, her answer was, oh, that's great. How exciting, right? So that is how faith plays out because it's as we develop relationship, then I have this kind of confidence. I know what she's going to say. And this is how it works with God, too. Because when I first got married, by the way, I, I said yes to a few things and I shouldn't have. Because I didn't know her that well, right? Or I, everything was like, uh, you know, sometimes we're walking on thin ice, whatever it is. But as we get to know each other better, then we have this certain kind of confidence. It's the same way with God. As we develop this relationship with Him, our faith increases because faith is relational. So it's irrelevant outside of relationship. You know, it's not a commodity, and we say, oh, you just need more faith. That's a crazy thing to say. Don't say that. What we need to do is know God better. And that's also part of our DNA. And so you're going to see that kind of bleeding through this too is it's really about getting closer to God and knowing Him. So I want to read this scripture out of Hebrews 10, but really thinking in that context of its relationship. And I want to read it in two different versions because it's very fun. And for me, it was very meaningful. I read it not long ago, and um, because I was in a tough time in that moment, I actually brought me to tears. So in Hebrews 10, and we'll, we'll read it first in the NIV because they use the word faith. So 19 through 23 in Hebrews 10. And it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus... By a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. 
So this is all about relational you know, nearness. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. This is relationship. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. It's a relational word. It's drawing near to God, being close to him. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Right? So we have this kind of confidence of drawing near. We're not talking about drawing near. You know, it's a relational word. We're talking about being closer to God, drawing near. It's not a physical, that's crazy. You know, it's drawing near is about relationship. So now when I look at Hebrews 10, let's do that same scripture, but I want to read out of the New Living because it's, it's super interesting. They chose the same word in the Greek and they chose to translate trust. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. That's the word faith, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. So anyway, that was real encouraging to me as I'm thinking about that part of our vision. And as I was studying it, thinking about it, sure enough, Justin landed on, on, with both feet on every important part to me. And I just wanted to really you know, hammer on that. I don't have to do this. As you can imagine, there's no mistakes in God's world. There's a plan and a purpose for everything. I was born to a family named Love. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was for about 50 years. I mean, I thought I knew what it was. I was married several times. <laughs> <clears throat> Part of our vision is to equip. How do we equip? How did God equip me? How did God equip his son? He told us that we only know what love is because he showed it to us. He showed it to us. He gave all that he had, his lifeblood, out of love. What does that mean to us? How do, how do we give love to equip the saints, the body, each other in this marvelous relationship that he's allowed us to be a part of, that he's called us to be a part of, that he wants us to be a part of. I contend that it's with love. 
we show each other love. We manifest love toward each other like he manifested love toward us. We've all heard that. You die to self, but what does that mean? Dying to self means that I love you more than I love me. And I love me a lot. I spent my life taking care of me. And I look at my Lord, and he didn't take care of him. He took care of me. So that's my example from him of being equipped to go out there, to have relationship here and there, is to love. Not, not this Sunday morning. Oh, it's so yeah, good to see you, Mark. Yeah, fine. Fine. I'm yeah. Fine. yeah, yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. How's the way? I'm fine. No. No, it's. I need to talk to you, brother, because I've got some things on my heart that I don't know how to deal with. And I need you to partner with me. Amen. I need to... Go ahead. I'm going to have the worship team come up um, because we want to pray over this. Yeah, sorry. You're good. I just want to keep it rolling. I just... uh, I'm just so enamored with this fact that that's how we're equipped is by being able to love. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I had a vision or a dream about the body, and as we, Jason talked about hammering out or working out our vision statement, uh, praying over it, working through it, I feel like it was kind of like winter. It took, we, we have to go through the quiet moment. We have to go through the white purification. We have to go through that time that we experience and just the stillness and the beauty of God in the colder times. And then I saw a vision of a field just exploding with wildflowers. And without the winter, we have no vision. A friend of mine has a place up on top of Red Mountain. I looked down and looked down at my feet and I counted seven wildflowers right at my feet. And it's just, it's that vision that I see for the body that we have, we have been through the winter, we have taken time in solitude and silence to experience God's love, and now we, that is preparing for us for the explosion of the beauty of spring. Amen. I want you guys to go ahead and stand. We want to declare this vision. We want to pray over it, pray over you. You know, Jeff, you got the mic, so if either you guys just give Jeff the, hey, I want to pray, <laughs> or whatever, if you want to. Father, we bring this vision before you in confidence in your word, that this vision is from your heart. As we examine your word. This, these are the things that really stand out to us as the place that we should set our vision on. And Lord, I pray for every single heart that's connected to this church family. 
right now and in the future. Lord, we pray and we declare your heart, restoration fellowship, that we would glorify you as we walk in faith, rejoice in hope, and are known by love. Lord, take this beyond words for us. God, we set this before you. We, as elders of this church, we bear the burden right now, the primary responsibility of keeping us committed to this vision, fostering this vision. In every aspect of what we do, in every person that we impact, every person that calls family here or even visits, we place this vision, we, we put it at the center of all that we do, all that we aspire to be. Lord, establish it in our midst, God, we ask you, and we partner with your deep desire to do it. We thank you that you have a deep desire that we would glorify you in everything. But we thank you that you have a deep desire that we would walk in faith. That we would be rooted and grounded in hope that gives us joy in every season. But we thank you that you have a deep desire to bring us to the fullness of love and the very image of the way that you love us, formed on the inside, that we feel every measure of it, experience every measure of it from you and are able to love others in the same way. Lord, we place this before you. We place this before one another. In this moment, we just, I just declare a holy moment of convocation right now. We commit to this. You guys feel led to pray at all. Encourage you. Father, you've told us that whatsoever we would ask, believing. And we believe your promises. We believe that you are our hope. And we declare that what you've called us to, you will complete. Not us, not our will, but yours, Father. May the love of Christ permeate in this house in spite of the world around us and because of the world around us that we can draw those in desperate need for God's perfect love. May we walk in unity and walk in perfect purpose of his love. As the worship team leads us, we want to make ourselves available to pray for you guys. If you have any prayer need this morning, we want to pray for you. We're going to let them lead us in one song, and then we're going to dismiss.